all of a sudden, this music I made was living in the people of God in a way that really blew me away. Welcome to the Pints and Pews podcast. I'm your co-host, Dennis. And I'm your other co-host, Robert. And we're just a couple guys talking the Catholic faith over a pint of our favorite beers. So why don't you pour yourself a pint, pull up a chair, and listen in for the next little while. As we take the faith seriously, but not necessarily ourselves. And as always, if you want to take part in the conversation or have an idea for the podcast, leave us a comment or swing by our Facebook page and drop us a message. Dennis, buddy, how are you doing this evening? Robert, good. Beautiful night. It's a late Friday night. And we have a great guest on. You're going to do a lot of the heavy lifting today because, you know, obviously this subject is not my specialty. You've you've heard me sing before, have you not? Well, not that music ministry is exactly uh, in my wheelhouse. I've heard you there, sing Pop. a couple of times. You're not that bad. You can carry a note. So don't uh, don't be so modest, young man. So what you're saying is my son's a liar when he tells me I shouldn't sing? Yeah, yeah. He probably just doesn't recognize your latent talent there, maybe, with singing. Actually, you're, you know, you're retiring soon, so maybe you might just go into the music. Maybe our, our guest needs a, you know, somebody, a colleague, somebody he can sing with, write yeah. music with. Well, again, we might get into that later in the, the show or when we're, we're chatting afterwards. But no, I know to stay out of the choir loft because they'd just be pushing me over the balcony there, <laughs> right? But yeah, no, I'm really excited about our, our guest today. Um, if we wanted to introduce our, our guest, we could say, if we wanted to do the short bio for our guest, both of us, Dennis, could say that it's a buddy of a buddy. It's because, a friend of a friend, uh, exactly. As we were talking with our guest a little bit before we started recording, right. uh, I know him and, and got to know him, and it was actually a childhood friend of mine who suggested that we... That's right. Uh, our I remember guest you on telling the show. me. So uh, a big shout out to my buddy, Mike, that mm -hmm. I, I grew up with. So thanks, Mike, for our guest this evening. And, and I think I was a little bit reticent at the time. And I'm like, oh, music ministry. And then I said to myself, okay, I don't know much about it, but I sing every week at mass. I'm singing all the hymns. Not very well, mind you, but I'm singing. So maybe I'll learn something tonight, Robert. God willing. God willing. And then you were mentioning, Dennis, that you found out that our new chaplain also knows our guest. Our this new evening. chaplain. I said that as I'm driving home, hands free, of course. And I just mentioned our guest and he said right away, oh, yes, I know him well. And he went on to tell me all the stuff he's, he's introduced, the music into the mass. So we'll get to that as well. But I don't want to give anything more away. Now, so I'm really excited to introduce our guest. So our guest this evening, Dennis, is John Dawson. And John is a guitarist, composer, and educator living in Newmarket, Ontario. He's a graduate of the Humber College Music Program, holds his Bachelor of Fine Arts in Music, as well as a teaching degree. As a performer, John has played throughout Canada, the U.S., and Europe. In 2008, he was selected as one of three composers to provide music for the new translation of the Mass here in Canada and his settings for the Mass have been used extensively throughout the country since its publication. He has composed music for two guided meditation books published by Novalis, authored by his wife Glennis, that are used in schools across the country. John's music is also licensed by Pearson Canada for use in the Growing in Faith, Growing in Christ religion resource. John has worked in youth and music ministry at the local diocesan and national levels now get this dennis 
John is also an avid professional wrestling fan and is the co-host of Ringside Heat, a weekly wrestling radio show and podcast that can be heard on 960 Saga AM as well as on Spotify. Talking about wrestling, John also is the proud father of two boys and continues to compose and release new music. And the wrestling, I think, is with the two boys because I've got my own son and I know that that's a thing when boys are around. I don't think the wrestling has to do with the, the composing and the new music. John could have been out at the wrestling this night, this evening, with my son. My son is actually, as we're speaking, at a wrestling event in downtown Toronto. Uh, but instead, John is here with us today. So, John, welcome to the Pints and Pews podcast. Uh, Roberta Dennis, it is a pleasure. Thank you for having me, guys. Cheers. I was a big wrestling fan in the 80s. Just want yeah. to put that out there, John. Rowdy, Hogan. Rowdy Piper, Hulk Hogan. Oh, yeah. All the greats, the WWF. Yeah. All, all the um, legends when robert mentioned that i'm like oh the 80s wrestling I, and then i you know went to off duty and then i fell away from it but it was i think that was its peak time i mean I, maybe we i don't know if it got better after that but for certainly for myself and many others that was yeah yeah it's that's seen by a lot of people as a real golden age but shortly mm-hmm. later in the late 90s with the they call the attitude era stone cold steve austin the right Rock. That was that was big. Like, that was big too. Yeah, yeah that was just past when I stopped. But yeah, absolutely, the two big errors, I guess. Maybe it's even big today. I'm well. You're, you it's can different. tell us that it's different. Yeah. yeah, maybe that's a different podcast. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, sure. yeah I mean, for me, wrestling goes back more to the Saturday morning show that was on uh, CHCH TV eleven out of Hamilton. Yeah. Right. Which one was that? I don't even know what it was called. Superstar wrestler wrestling. Superstar. Oh yes, uh, Billy Red Lions was the host. Billy Red yeah, Lions. Yeah. Yeah, Gene so that, Tunney, yeah. and I, I, there was a um, Jack Angela Mosca right. was involved with that at one time, was he? Who was? I, I think so. Yeah, the King, uh, was the it was a King Kong, King Angela Kong Mosca. Mos- yes, that's right, King Kong. So yeah. here we're we're, we're oh, schooling the wrestling guy here, yeah, Dennis. That's good. But before we get too deep one, into to the conversation here, John, uh, Dennis is always complaining that we take too long to get to the beers and that right. they're a little warm by the time we get there. So yeah. what are you drinking with us this evening, John? I went like it was warmer earlier and it was getting me in the summer mood. And usually when this weather hits, I'm big on the Rattlers. I love a good Stiegel Rattler, just uh, light, refreshing. So that's what I'm drinking right here. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Rattlers are very popular now. Yeah. yeah. I got hooked on Rattlers when I was living in Bavaria. Hmm. Right. Oh yeah, that, that, that yeah. was the the big thing uh, yeah. at, at the monasteries was the Rattlers. Wow, and Stiegel I think is out of Austria, uh, is, yeah. if I remember correctly. But yes, yeah, they're, no, they're they're great summertime. I did not years. know that. I thought Rattlers were more of a new phenomenon. No, not at all, not at hmm. all. But they're um, a lot of. Sh- I can't do too many because I mean, <laughs> not that you necessarily would, but there's a lot of sugar in them, so it's mm. like yeah, 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 that juice can get uh, a little too sweet sometimes. But uh, yeah, they're delicious. So that's what's that's what's going on here. And Dennis, what have you got for us this evening? Speaking of Bavaria, I've got the <laughs> Erd- <laughs> the Erdinger, the Dunkel, oh, nice. the wheat beer, the dark one. So yeah. I'm going to try this. I saw this. I've never had this before. I've had the uh, regular one, but I've never had this one. And as you can see, that is. That is quite dark there. That is a that is a nice dark beverage. It's, a, uh, and it's I, not a stout though, right? What is that? It's an ale. No, it's not a stout. It's a it's a wheat a dark. It's, it's a, a dunkel. Stout. It's a oh, yeah, it's not yeah. really a dunkel kind of day as Robert would uh, say, but mm. it just I just felt the need for that tonight. But so. Erdinger are usually wheat beers. They're all wheats, yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. just a, 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 yep. a, a dark Yep. I got a picture of the wheat, wheat on the front. Yep. And where you, to make the rather you would 
you know, mix your lighter beer, your Hellas with say a Sprite or a seven up the, yeah. the Dunkel vice beer, the Dunkel yeah, wheat beer. Sometimes they'll mix those with actually Coke. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah. that. Wow. No pop in my beer. So, uh, again, for me too, summery kind of day uh, and was sitting uh, out front. But today I decided I'm going to go with uh, from Collingwood Brewing Company, the Collingwood Happy Tales Session IPA. Oh, he's back uh, in the IPAs for the It's back, back to exactly. Good on you, Robert. And yeah. we had a string one. of about 20 IPAs last summer. Right, I John, can understand so. why. Well, yeah. the Session ones are nice. They're a little bit easier on you, aren't they? Like, yeah. And I'm finding I'm liking the IPAs a lot more yeah. than I did a couple of years ago when we started the show, for sure. Well, yeah. I'm just pouring that, and I can smell the citrus coming out mm. of the glass. Yeah. Right. It's a nice light color to it, Robert. It, it is, yeah. Now, this Happy Tales one, too, as I'm reading on the nice can, pour. part of the proceeds actually go to the Humane Society uh, up around Collingwood, up in Georgian Bay area. Oh, nice. Ontario, so. Nice glass. Before we get started here, then, Dennis, who's, uh, whose turn is it to say prayer there, my friend? Um, I can say the prayer if you'd like, sir. You're going to say the prayer? That would be perfect. Yeah. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Bless, O Lord, this creature beer, which thou hast deigned to produce from the fat of grain, that it may be a salutary remedy to the human race, and grant, through the invocation of thy holy name, that whoever shall drink it may gain health in body and peace in soul. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name Amen. of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. You got to that, that prayer. Where? Yeah, Robert got that prayer. Isn't it beautiful? It, it's actually from the Roman Book of Rites. It's the the Book of Blessings that the priest would have in the sacristy. Yeah, many times, yeah. yeah. I didn't know that was in there, though. That's that, really cool. That, Cheers, that's gentlemen. in there. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Cheers. I should have said this creature beer and Rattler. So excuse me, John. That's right. Wait, well, beer's in Rattler, so we're there. We're there. Oh, you're there. Oh, that is that is a nice. Oh, that's crisp. nice too. Session oh. IPA. I'm really looking forward to that. We actually also got a version of that prayer from a book of one of our former guests, um, Dr. Mike Foley, and his Drinking with the Saints compendium. Oh, I heard about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and okay. so there's actually a number of different prayers, depending on what you're drinking uh, in the, the introduction to that tome as well. So, Love yeah. it. But we'll get you a copy of that prayer so that way, you know. Please, yeah, I'd love that. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a nice prayer. Deck. But John, this is the part of the show where we get out of the way and we kind of oh. step back a little bit and we like to say we are unleash our inner Marcus Grodi and ask you to just tell us about your faith story, starting from as far back as you want to go to going up to whatever point you want to go up to. Uh you know, I grew up in a a pretty, you know, it's an Irish Catholic, cradle Catholic kind of household. It was always there, kind of in the ether. Yeah. Um, you know, I wouldn't say it was a heavily devotional house, household, but um, it certainly um, was important in the way my mother, you know, treated us and raised us. You know, it, I don't know how to explain, you know, it's like kids in the 80s, right? Child of boomers. I mean, there wasn't a ton of it wasn't an overly religious household, but mm -hmm. um, there was never any, when I, as a late teen started finding my way and just on my own reasoning and my own searching, I was not impeded or discouraged in any way from diving deeper into my faith. 
um, which I did do after high school. My parents were incredibly supportive. And eventually, everybody became active and involved. My mom, who's passed away, uh, became a third order Augustinian. My sister's a third order Carmelite. My father was a Knight of Columbus. Like everybody, it all came back and and everybody became extremely active and, and passionate about being part of the church. And uh, in some small way, I think it began with just my own typical teenage searching of, you know, usually beginning in doubt or beginning in struggle, kind of looking trying to look a little deeper, trying to find some answers. And there was a long time where I was going to my parish in Aurora, had a nine o'clock mass PM on a Sunday. And it was very sparsely populated. And I would go and just kind of hide in the back and and just be at this, you know, night liturgy by myself. And I did that for a long time. So sorry, throughout this, your childhood years and your teen years, are you in the choir? Are you picking no, up a guitar no, or no. nothing? nothing I, was, like I started playing when I was 12, but I mean, mm -hmm. guitar, I was playing zeppelin you know just playing okay. the music ministry piece came actually it's funny when i started going to church and just finding my way back in i didn't even think and i'd already begun studying at humber so i've been taking music seriously for some time by this point um but i never approached the choir i actually started delivering the parish newsletter taking up collection i was really mm. i waded in very slowly you know i didn't just dive head first eventually i got invited as i got to know the pastor father don mclean who many of us uh, over the years have crossed paths with was pastor of our lady of grace. And, um, I, you know, I go to confession. I've just, I'd always have questions for him. What about this? What about this? What about this? And eventually maybe it was just to shut me up. He's like, we got to get you involved in something. So he, um, introduced me to the choir and, and I started working in the choir. And at the same time he was building youth ministry. He brought in who, uh, you know, there's just the beginnings of a youth office happening in the archdiocese in the mid nineties. And um, I got involved with the diocesan youth office as a musician playing for some rallies and, and, and just slowly started moving into this role of leadership. And um, yeah, I'm giving you kind of the cold notes here, but basically at, at around that got me into some really interesting situations where I, I began to, you know, you, you know, you meet interesting people, you go to these conferences and I would meet people. And eventually just all of this led to me in 2005, uh, working in the archdiocese, but also getting asked to be on the national council for liturgical music, hmm. um, where I served for 10 years. So it was just this interesting little journey from, you know, delivering a parish newsletter to, and it's funny. I remember in like maybe 1994, I, I was going to this nine o'clock mass and father McLean used to like to intone the summer Somerville mass, which I'm sure, you know, anybody who knows that if we started singing it, most people jump right in. I was going to say, if you, if you hum a few bars, yeah, just probably recognize you, it. I, to be honest with you, I, I can't, I'm not, I'm not good. I'm not good at, I, I know I'm not going to hum it. Cause I'm not feeling my chest has been really weird today. So I don't want to embarrass myself right now, but it couldn't um, be any worse than Dennis humming a few bars. Yeah, so. <laughs> But it, suffice it to say the Somerville mass was, um, was very popular. And I just remember when, when I heard it and I'd hear people doing it, I was like, gee, I'd like to write one of those one day, you know? Um, and that was, you know, something that eventually did happen. And uh, that, that was a really interesting, they went from this very small little involvement to this incredible opportunity that came through my involvement with the national council, um, which, yeah, was, was did somebody nominate you for the National Council, John? Or were you um, just, I was. Like, it was a, a a liturgist um, out of a, a friend of mine at the time who um, 
so I, I guess the reason I got, I got was brought up because I was doing a lot of there weren't a lot of people doing contemporary music in liturgy in Catholic liturgies at the time. I mean, there, it wasn't, it sounds funny to say now, but you know, glory and praise and CBW were, were the contemporary things in some mm-hmm. ways. You know, there was a bit mm-hmm. starting to come in from Steubenville, a little bit from life teen and a lot of evangelical stuff. And so I started to really get in interested in the conversation of, of what is the role of contemporary as a guitarist in a liturgy what's what's appropriate especially in the context of youth ministry where kids are playing more rock-based music i just i kept asking questions and eventually the questions got to somebody who said you know this guy probably should you know could serve a role in this council to speak and maybe right push forward some of these issues so i was invited by the canadian conference of catholic bishops the episcopal or the head of the liturgy office national liturgy office to be part of it yeah, I was going to say that would be quite an honor at such a For young sure. age to be invited mm-hmm. onto such a, a council. Is yeah. usually when you think of church councils, it's uh, you know, guys that are a little long in the beard, if you want to say. Yeah, it was. It, there was. It was a neat one because it was so small. It actually was only one. It was. I was actually what 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 did he tell me? The former president Camille Jacques was his name. He said I was I was a particular appointment because of my skill set. Everyone else were regional representatives. So you'd have an Ontario, you'd have a Western, mm. only six of us, five or six of us. And I was kind of the guitar youth contemporary music. Um, however, our work there got, the minute we started meeting, I was hoping there'd be a whole lot of discussions because I was really interested in starting to see things like when you'd see adoration being done with more, as at this point now we've got spirit and song. This is now like 2005. You know, mm-hmm. you're hearing a lot more contemporary music coming in, and I'm seeing things like, "What is happening here?" It was just found it very. The the the, the music had changed so much from the time I started in the mid '90s to the mid 2000s because of you know things like Spirit and Song and artists like Matt Marr and guys who were creating Catholic music that was more contemporary. And and I was hoping we'd do a lot of discussions, but then a little thing called the new translation of the Roman Missal mm-hmm. uh, took center stage. And that was a big deal, um, you know, because that's all anybody was was talking about in the liturgy world is the fact that the mass was changing. It was changing. It was changing. This translation was happening. And um, eventually at one, we had one meeting in Nova Scotia with other. So there's our National Council of Liturgical Music. There's a National Liturgy Office, the Episcopal Commission for Liturgy, like alphabet soup of mm. Uh, this and it was a big and it was uh one of the bishops there suggested maybe we should have music to introduce the new parts so that's that's the thing you know the holy holy was changing the glory was changing so the idea was maybe we should have settings in other words you know set the text to music so that people can sing and as educators we often know how valuable putting something to music can be for just retention like i work with young kids and it's like you sing everything you know, and and so I think the idea was create some new music to introduce the changes to theoretically make it a little bit easier for people to remember. Right. Yeah, that and I was I was sense. just wondering too, like how long was that process? Because for us, everything just kind of appeared. Yeah. Advent. I think it was 2011. It was. Give, I give or I take. got the I got the commission in 2008. 
So nice. it was, so three years. So because what had to happen, there were several things because trans the translation wasn't done, right? Like there, there were changes that were constantly happening. And I don't know what the process was. It was whether it was coming from Canada or from Rome, but there was just dialogue back and forth. And now, oh, you know, this comma doesn't belong or whatever. Yeah. So the trans we would, but they wanted to have these things ready to go for Advent 2011. So we got, um, they chose people based on really proximity to the, you know, the, the scene we had, we were people who couldn't, they didn't want this public. I was on the council. Jeff, Father Jeffrey Angelus was also on the council. He was selected as one. And then we got um, Michelle Guimont, who has a long track record as a liturgical composer. And so the three of us were like, okay, you guys, you're going to get the texts in advance. But they mm-hmm. literally said these are under embargo, which was the coolest thing. Like, I was Yeah, so you could not yet. talk about these texts at no, all. No, couldn't anyone. show anybody, mm-hmm. couldn't do anything. So I was sitting on these texts and the idea was we um, – we would draft the parts and, and they would be, we would bring them to the council meetings and sing through them and, and you get feedback and you're like any editorial meeting, you know, I come in with something and they go, wow, this is really good. But what if you did X, Y, Z? And I'd be like, okay, yeah, sure. And, um, you know, go back and do another revision. And then we had to have it done. I'm trying to know when it was now, but it was well in advance because it all had to be set and published. And, um, yeah, and it all happened and eventually all came out and it was I was not prepared for like I was just a, a com- young composer looking mm-hmm. for looking for a gig, right? It's like hey, this right, sounds yeah, fun. Yeah. Um but the 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 I don't even know how to explain it, the 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 intensity around it shocked me that this was the only thing anybody talked about and my name was right in there love it or hate it there were people dealing with music i'd written and you know having to make decisions on whether or not to use it and this was happening across the country and it was a really strange experience you know yep. to, and, to be in the middle of that and when i remember from that whole process when the new translation came out like you said the the intensity of it and the intensity was coming from both ends it was a, a top down from the church yeah but also a bottom up because uh, people in the pews don't like it when you make changes no. and they'll be very opinionated. And, and there's a lot of parish musicians who don't want to be told what to play either. And that was, that was, mm-hmm. that, do you, you know, find it more negative or positive? I guess you wouldn't get that directly to yourself. I mean, yeah, John, I, I wouldn't have had the kind of, what I, no. I did find out is that mine was selected, I think the most nationally. And you, when I, you say mine, maybe you can just tell our listeners what. Okay, part so of the, yeah, my setting sorry. would be my versions of the. the we I only set. Um, set, I didn't even finish to the acclamations in time. Um, I my version of the Gloria, the okay. Holy, Holy, the all the Eucharistic acclamations, basically. Yeah, actually, I was going to say, why don't we just take a, a step back? So yeah. I know Dennis has asked a couple yeah. of times, and we've alluded to it, and and you've kind of mentioned it. What exactly? Are we talking about when we talk about the mass settings? Well, setting is more of a musical term in terms of what what I do with the text. We have the text, I set it to music. Okay. The the parts in question were anything relating to the people's responses. So anything that that you know, not necessarily even like the you know, the all and, and with your spirit and all that, mm-hmm. but stuff that like that heavily involved that the the dialogue back and forth between the people and and the priest. 
um, where you would normally have them, your holy, holy, your lamb of God, or you know, all those oh, yeah, yeah. all those parts that we're used to singing were the priority. That like, you know, put some new music there so that people because that's where um many of the changes were happening in the right, East. but it wasn't just the ones that were being changed. You were doing mass settings for all of the response, or is just ones that no, were no, I only did those the ones no, no, directly. Yeah, not you directly, but were all of them changed at that time, or was it just the ones the that the whole were... mass was changed? It, all of it was set and it was set to a chant that's in the general in the in the oh, Roman okay. pistol, I mean. And so the, it's all been, yeah. Um, there's only about three or four changes that i really remember at that time in 2011 there were a lot of little ones that you wouldn't even notice like the the gloria had went from remember glory to god in the highest and uh, and um now i can't remember the old one uh peace to people on earth people people on earth right and now and peace to people of goodwill that's a massive that's a massive change rhythmically right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when you you just lob off several syllables there none of the settings that we had the ones that we were singing were ready to accommodate that those composers had to go back and fix their music for these text changes right holy 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 remember it was holy 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 lord god of power and might mm-hmm. that went to holy 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 lord god of hosts yeah that's like could be half a bar of music just yeah. gone. <laughs> i was going to the children's choir at the time so i didn't really know most of the kids were singing whatever they want so yeah. you didn't really notice it but i see what you mean for sure yeah like so the changes were enough that they they were they made it difficult you couldn't just roll over music that we'd been using for the last right. you know 30 years because we couldn't make those changes to that music it's not our music the composers mm-hmm. hadn't done it yet it was coming but Canada, uh, the, the bishops of Canada saw it as an opportunity to present a uniquely Canadian voice because one of the things we've been dealing with is most of this, those parts were coming from the U.S. Right. So I think Canada was like, well, hey, let's let's get some some Canadian, you know, representation in here. It's nice. something like having the CRTC step into the mass and say, we need it. And, you know, X Cancon. percentage yeah, can, the the Canadian Cancon. content. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. surprised they didn't. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, and so yeah, you really couldn't massage the new no. words into the into the old music. No. Not easily. It has been done since, but but changes had to be made. Like a lot of they were they're different. It's different enough, you know. Okay. And it's been so long now. Like we've been over a decade. So really, for no. us now, like you're saying, to try to remember what it used the to old be, ones. it's really hard, right? Like, mm-hmm. and also with you, sounds weird now, you know. Like, and I think that's part of the the issue is that we get so used to the settings where we get so used to the parts of the mass and the responses that we start doing it by rote that we don't even think about it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. having the change was actually good to shake things up a little bit. Shake things up. It, it was a, a tremendous opportunity for catechesis, renewed catechesis on the liturgy. And I think a lot, there were places that took advantage of that. Let's go, hey, why is it changing? What's changing? What does that mean? What is this supposed to do anyway? Um, so it was a great opportunity for a renewed um discussion about the liturgy for that very reason that people you know you're checking in on a sunday you're too busy thinking about what you're gonna have for brunch later and you're just kind of going yeah yeah, yeah yeah and then well also with you but you know this opportunity to pause and go oh, wait a minute why is it this and not that and how come this change it was it was really neat for that um that was an area that i was not involved in any of that formation stuff mm-hmm. was happening in a million different ways but 
the music was was a was a part of that a big part of that you know and and the crazy thing is there were people who hated what i did i i read about myself on blogs that uh i wish i didn't read mm-hmm. um, you need to have a thick skin yeah. yeah it was hard i was not prepared i really was not i just thought oh, i'll just write some but i was it was some of the, the, there was a lot of positive i would say the positive far outweighed the negative but as we know with these things the negative tends to be much louder and much more vicious um and that was hard. Yeah, but John, if, why were they mad at you? You weren't changing the text. You were no, just but writing what I, the music for the new where, text. That's a lot what of I what don't. people, I think, the ones who didn't like it, is I went, the thing I did with my music, when I recorded, we were supposed to record demos of it um, for people to hear. What I did with it is kind of an interesting thing. I, I actually tried to show in six minutes of music the past, present, and what I think musical future of the church a worship can look like i did a chant for my kyrie and then my gloria my holy holy which are the songs of the angels in scripture i used a rhythm that has much more of a of a latin american and african feel one because i just kind of imagined the angels as, as light you know this kind of the rhythm spoke to me more of the dynamic the dynamic nature of angelic beings than than something slow but using latin american and african I mean, the global south the church is is busting at the seams in the right. south and then for other parts i chose very typical you know what you'd think of as just more european you know simple chord changes and i played up the rhythmic differences and i had like 14 percussion parts on one thing and mm-hmm. for people mm-hmm. who don't like certain types of music and think that the liturgy should be a certain way i was i may as well have been excommunicated anathema um, yeah, 100%. and and I'm not listen. It wasn't. I wasn't trying to do. It was just me. Like, this was my take on it. I was right. just like, this was what I was asked to do. Something they liked it for whatever reason. I think it's good. But the thing that I loved about that experience, which this is, was the amazing thing, is I started getting emails from people all over because we only published the melody. And I come from you know jazz training, so we get fake books where I just get the melody and chord changes, and I got to make everything else up, right? So what went out was a very, very simple version. It was just the notes you sing and the chords over top of them. Very, very simple. It wasn't big orchestrations, a lot of, not a lot of stuff. And I started getting calls from people going, hey, do you mind if I do a handbell arrangement of yours for a children's choir? Hey, I did a complete orchestration. Hey, I did this. My steel pan group is doing a version. Are you okay with that? All of a sudden, this music I made was living in the people of God in a way that really blew me away. It really touched me. It was like, I just put some notes on a page and it felt very much like Pentecost. All of them hearing these things in, you know, like they're, they're putting it in their own language. Into their own musical language. That's so cool. Tongues of fire. Unbelievable. (laughs) And they would send me these charts. I'm like, this is incredible what I'm seeing. And I would go to this day. It happens because it's used still constantly. I'll walk into a church and I'll hear it bouncing off. Like the, the choir's doing it. And I'm like, but it's been so long. I my I turn to my wife. She always gets mad because I'm like, "Is this one mine? You know, it's, did I write that?" So like, yes, you did. I'm like, "Cool, I like it." You know, <laughs> it's uh, it's been a while, and I don't play it all the time. But uh, it, it was. Now I look back on it, and I'm really honored. But I'll be honest that those initial moments, I pulled back. It really, it was really hard for me. I actually resigned from the council 
And, uh, and I said, I, I got to step back from this. Like, this is too much. And I could see that being really, yeah. really difficult because yeah. wow. you know, after their pew in the church, the thing that people are most attached to, I think is the music and the, mm-hmm. and the style of music. Uh, I had the blessing of being in a particular parish this past Sunday. And Dennis and I will talk about that on a future episode. Um, and it was three different masses and they had three very different personalities. Yeah. Oh yeah. Them. Totally. Right. Yeah. And so for even yourself as a composer, like you say, you bring your own personality to the music because it's coming from within you. It's God yeah. working through you. And it, like you were saying, it might not be everybody's cup of tea. So change it, you know? Yeah. What we have to remember in the, in the pews though, is we're not the Pope. No. Right. Mm-hmm. So, no, it was, it was just really neat that I, and I just would say that to people just like, you do whatever you want with this. It's what works for your community. You know, I wasn't, I was like, I was asked to provide a resource. I wasn't asked to provide the definitive statement on music and liturgy. I put some, you know, some notes together to help this translation after that I'm out, you know, that, that's, that's not, I'm not hands off, you know? And, and at uh, the end of the day, if they really don't like it, there's two other choices as well. Two other choices. That's exactly <laughs> That's right. right. Yeah. Like, right. Then by all means, choose another. But uh, I know it was, you know, initially I was, I actually distanced myself from the setting. I, I didn't want to play it. I stayed away from it. I, I it was really hard. And over the last couple of years, I, I realized I've, I've rethought that. And I realized what a gift. And it, it hit me one time I was playing the, uh, lift jesus higher rally i played that for years i was in the band for that and that can be upwards of you know three to five thousand people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i was in the band and the band who i think at that time was led by nancy bodsworth um they did my setting but of course they're not introducing me beforehand and i'm standing there and you know cardinal collins is beside me and they're all singing it and it wasn't an ego thing i have to I have to say it's mm-hmm. not me oh look what i did it was a moment where I, where I began, I began to realize I got to rethink my relationship here because what a tremendous gift of the Lord to have heard the dream of one kid going, gee, I want to do one of those one day, you know, and that, that he invited me into where heaven meets earth. And I was like, yeah, kid, you know, we're going to, I'll let you do that. And it, 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 I, I became very humbled by the experience, realizing what a gift to have been a part of it. Um, and it's something it, I will never do anything more important than in my life as a musician than that. I could win 19 Grammys tomorrow, (laughs) putting music to the Eucharist, that moment that that's it. You don't get better than that, in my opinion. And now I see what a gift it was. And now it's an honor to have been a part of that. And every time I hear it, it's like, wow, thank you. Thank you again. You know? I think I'm going to, when I sing next Sunday at Mass, I'm going to think of you, John, a little bit more. (laughs) But just, you know, when you you did the composing for the Mass, how is that different from freelance composing? Because I know you do some other work. Robert has mentioned that as well. And is it, is it a kind of a, not a letdown, but I mean, you've, you said you've kind of reached that. That's the pinnacle. Is it kind of a little bit of a a different... the meaning of it won't get any better. I think I can compose much more interesting things because frankly, you know, the, the restrictions for that, it's hard, you know, take parameters. Yeah. And and that's why it it went to committee reviews so many times because you're, you're factoring in that the majority of the people singing this aren't musicians. 
and you don't want them to passively listen. So you've, as a composer, you're con- and I'm not saying I listen to it now and I'm like, Oh, I wish I kind of wish I could change that, could change that. <laughs> I've actually redone the Gloria since, but it's not published, but I've, I've done a through composed version, which means there's no refrain, but you know, I listen to it and think of little things, but you have to write in a way that anybody can pick up this melody and sing this text. And the text is not, it's poetic, but it's not metrical in a lot of ways. You know, this is, this is, you know, this is a big piece of text that doesn't read like it, you know, should be a song. Um, Not in English anyways. And uh, so you're, it's really hard to take something like, you know, glory to God in the highest and on earth, you know, whatever, you know, on earth peace to people of goodwill we praise you we bless you we adore you we glorify you you know all this stuff these words to find ways to shape them melodically and harmonically that they can still make sense as words be picked up by people who can't sing and have some musical integrity on top of it is a real you know that's that's a that's a tricky thing to do for sure so uh, that's different than just writing a tune or writing a, anything. It's like anything you want. Like I sit and compose my own weird music. I can do whatever I want. I wrote a piece the other day that's in like four different tempos at the same time. No one has to sing it. You know, I just yeah. got to write. So it's, it's a lot more difficult. Uh, and yeah. when he was saying no musical integrity, Robert, he was talking about me at that point. But well, I don't know. I, if you, I, if I was caught... looking at my, my own <laughs> if self you in the mirror that. there. <laughs> No, the, no, yeah, certainly not. No, it's everything must people seem much sing, easier. So I guess we can sing it. So I mean, there you go. Yeah, we can, and we do enjoy. It. I guess everything seems. Does it seem easier now to go? Like that would have been must the strictest parameters possible, and everything is kind of. It was a particular part of my musical brain I used. It was not the so I, it was. Every, there's other things that are harder in different ways. You know, right. I, I can write a piece that's different as a guitar player. That that was a particular way to write that was a particular challenge and um, not one that I'm in a rush to do again. I'll be honest, (laughs) but uh, you know, again, it was a great challenge as a composer and. um, And what a gift to the church you've given. I I, I hope so. I mean, that's all I absolutely wanted, man. You know, it's like, I hope so. And you've done other writing for the church in different ways, not necessarily the mass settings, but so the, the work you've done with your wife, yeah, for the the guided meditations and yeah. for the religious education resources, mm. that actually was the mass setting they licensed. That wasn't new music. That was the setting. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now you're still involved at the parish level in music ministry as well. No, I no. Uh, no. Um, and and there's no. I I consider myself a music minister emeritus, as we were saying earlier. Like I'm, <laughs> um, I I effectively retired from that. I, it's not. I'm not ready to jump back into that world anytime soon. It's it's a lot of work. It's a lot, it's a lot, lot of, of work, work, and it's just. Yeah, it's, and just it's thankless. It's it, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just not something that I, I spent so much time and so much energy that I just don't have it in me. I go with my kids and I sit in a pew, and I want to be with my kids at mass right now. You know, um, I don't want to be up there, and I don't want to. Yeah, for me, it's it's going with the family, and I don't want to go to four different liturgies. Not that I have a problem going to liturgy a lot, but um, I don't need to, you know, do the nine o'clock and then go with the kids. Another, I want to go to the mass with my kids, be there, and then go have some eggs. You know, now someone who has come out of music ministry, uh, for people who are thinking about going that route or who are being invited 
into music ministry at different levels? Is there advice that you would give them? Um, not to say to point out pitfalls or anything like that, but you know, how would people go about getting the most out of being in music ministry? That's it, so it's not work. So it's, it becomes worship. Well, okay. So it, I would say the vast majority of the experiences in, in music ministry are going to be wonderful. Um, my unique experience is, is one that probably won't be repeated very much. You know, it was a unique thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're talking about people involved in serving their community and putting their gifts at the service of the church, um, it's a lot of fun. You know, you'll have your, yeah, sure. You're going to have a priest who, that you might clash with or other choir members or somebody's going to be, yes, that's anything. But you're going to have a lot of fun and you're going to feel really good about those, you know, the big holidays when you go to, I always loved when I was working at the parish level before any of the national stuff, Christmas was so fun. You know, it's just, you know, getting the music together for that. Those were great, great memories, great experiences. And um, I, if anybody, I, it, the other thing about it too, is it's, it's regularly, if you're just getting into music, especially, it's a way to play regularly in an environment that is public. You know, it's different than a gig. I've done, you know, thousands of gigs playing in bars or whatever, but that is a very unique type of performance. And I use the term loosely because it is prayer, but you, you will grow, you know, you will learn things and you will learn from people and, um, it's a great place to begin that journey of just making music for other people. It's just fantastic. You know? So I would say anybody who's thinking of it, do it. Well, maybe you could pick up on that point, John. Uh, so how do you keep it as more worship centered than uh, performance centered? Because both myself and Robert have gone to masses where I know a couple of times applause is broken out at the end for the choir or other times, One's carrying a note so long, I'm thinking, wow, is this about this person or is it about the Mass? So Yeah, my my all-time favorite on one of those that Dennis is mentioning was at a Mass one time. And after the recessional, and so they've played the closing chant, and the the priest and the ministers have recessed out. And like Dennis says, applause breaks out. And one of the musicians turns to the other and, look, another standing O again this week. (laughs) Right? And we we got another standing ovation. (laughs) Yeah, um, I mean, that's a formation thing, right? I think it, people who are involved in music ministry should also be um, provided or have opportunities. And there are plenty of places that do this, whether it's diocesan or national or through the Ontario Liturgical Conference or anything. Going and being formed in terms of understanding what your role is, because that's just in your head, right? And some people want that thing they want that feeling i myself personally um i I tend to think of guitar and i do this a lot now my composition is very very personal almost monastic because i'm praying as i play and i think of when i play as 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 i'm conscious of the fact that i'm uh, i often often think of the you know the the praying in tongues i use the term loosely but you're the groanings of the spirit that there's something Mm -hmm about my personal prayer life that is attached to this music making. Um, and and so I, I tend to just see it that way and go get another gig. If you really need people to clap for you, you know, go out and play some tragically hip tunes at a bar. Like that's easy, you know, go figure that out. 
but I think it's formation is, is a big one there, getting people in the right headspace for that. Um, the applause thing that almost just has to be squashed from the top down. I mean, that's a culture that can get, that can take root very quickly in parishes. I've seen it happen. Um, and it's lovely. I think from the perspective of the average person in the pew, it's quite benign and it's a very, probably a very genuine show of appreciation. Right. right. You know what I mean? Like, but it's probably not something that, I think should be actively encouraged because it's awkward. It's weird, right? Like, it's, yeah, what did you, what did your priest you what did your priest say once Robert, about the applause? Well, something there was applause after the, the recessional <laughs> hymn, and the, the priest said, "You know, nobody applauded for the homily today." <laughs> homily, or you were doing a great job. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, that's fantastic. But that goes right back to uh, Benedict the Sixteenth, uh, the spirit of the liturgy you know, yeah. when he was yes. still Cardinal Ratzinger, and. Yeah. I'm just going to paraphrase here, but it was like, you know, there, there's no room for applause in the Mass because then you're highlighting a human achievement as opposed to the Eucharist, which is so much greater. Absolutely. And all I will say this, and this is the bigger question of, of, of appropriateness of style for liturgy. And this is something that I do not, you know, have, like, I, I've never, I'm not going to, how do I say it? Whatever's right for liturgy is what should be done. If they came out tomorrow and said, never play a guitar in a church again, I'm like, okay, no problem. Because it's it's what the liturgy needs. Um, and and but I think when you start introducing styles of music that are attached to, you know, when it's pop or rock or things that are contemporary, there is a cultural instinct that we applaud, we show our appreciation, right? And mm-hmm. and that is something that that's like mm-hmm. it's a it's just something we're gonna do. It's like, yo, know, yeah, you finished doing like, hey, good job it almost sets up, you know, it's, it's, and, and so the people in a way can't be blamed because the music itself is kind of pulling that response out of them. Um, and that's why, where I think just, you know, some kind of a, addressing of it, but also the arrangements can be tasteful. I mean, I've heard contemporary music done really subtly and really appropriately. And then I've heard it done absolutely horribly, but I've heard chant done horribly. You know, like one of the best things I ever was told, which I believe is the better the music is, the less you notice it. Hmm. That, yeah. you know, if yeah, it's really good, good, half the time I'm like, oh yeah, there was music. It yeah. was just so good. It disappeared. Disappeared. You know, it just, it just becomes a part of the worship it just experience. becomes a part of it. So some, and I, and this is what I was, I don't really want to say it, but like sometimes the applause, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe these guys got to get a little better so that people don't listen to them as much. You know, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, no, I, I like that. Talking about performances here, John, uh, just a very, some people would say just a very odd mix to be in music ministry, writing music for the mass and hosting a wrestling show. And, and I got to say, my son's buddies rolled up the driveway this afternoon to pick them up to head into the big smoke because they're heading off to the, I want to say the super kicked event. Oh, yeah. Okay. Down, downtown. Okay. So I did get it right. And I told them, yeah, I've got one of the co-hosts of the, the Ringside Heat podcast coming on the, the show tonight. And they were just all excited. They thought it was, I, they thought I was the greatest dad going. That I've I'm got glad, this. I'm glad I could facilitate that. This wrestling guy. So I mean, uh, I got to go up a, a couple steps up the ladder there. But yeah. So how does a guy that writes music for the mass, yeah, yeah. end up ringside? Yeah. 
Um, That's a really good question. <laughs> I think so much of it is, you know, the same reason I, you know, listen to Zeppelin or whatever. There's things that just get into your life. And wrestling for me is so much about just memories also of, of going to watch wrestling with friends and it, it, you know, I've watched it for so long that it's just hard to imagine not watching it. But I had to stop and think. I actually asked the other guys on the show because because I know you guys had mentioned this this little reflection point. And it's like, what do what do we think here? Because the other, if you surprise the other guys on Ringside Heat, four of us at least are actively. Well, I'm not as actively involved, but the the others, three other guys, actively involved in youth ministry and two in music ministry. So Very four cool. of the five guys on the show <laughs> are 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 you know, Catholic, Catholic boys who love their wrestling. And, um, what I, Hey, Jacob wrestled an angel. Okay. Come on. It's biblical, right? Like it's, uh, it, Perfect. It I never even thought of that. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. It happened. Right. I think there is a lovely metaphor in the way wrestling storylines work to be very serious about it. The typical wrestling storyline is a very, very simple protagonist antagonist model. And it can be, the, the protagonist overcoming or the antagonist thwarting that it's very simple storytelling told mm -hmm. physically. And if you really want to see how incredible wrestling can be, go watch it without commentators. And this, this is my wife had this experience. I took her to a WWE show recently, but the, the guys weren't there going, Oh, you know, so-and-so did this. It was just the wrestlers. There's no commentating. Mm -hmm. So the whole story is being told by them in the ring. And there is a story and it often has to do with overcoming, you know, something that's been wronged or somebody has been wronged. I think there is some pretty cool metaphorical or allegorical, you know, links there that you can make to just the spiritual life in general. There's certainly a theatrical performance going on. And when, when you put 100%. it like that, John, yeah. 100%. And I think of the eighties and my love of wrestling with oh, Rowdy yeah. Roddy Piper and the Hulk and Mr. Yeah. T yeah, there was that performance and that protagonist and antagonist as well. He was the good guy coming out, you know, yeah. and, and staring down the bad guy, and that wonderful moment that you have when you see and and they know what they're doing too. Those bad guys know how. Yeah. you know, look at Andy Kaufman in the seventies. Look how he got right. everybody to hate him so much, and they were buddies, him and Jerry Lawler. You know, they did it. Okay, they knew what they were doing. They knew how to play good guy, bad guy, and they created an incredible story. Yeah. And it got inside you. I don't know if you felt the same way, Robert, totally. but it just got inside you. You're cheering for that good guy. And Everything. Oh, it was just yeah. so frustrating. And it made well, Hogan so and mad. Piper were a great example because oh. was Piper was, you couldn't, he knew how to make people hate him mm -hmm. in a way that, you know, I, it's just, it's epic. And then, but he yeah, started yeah. off good, did he not? And then he moved to the dark he, side, I believe. He was very well, not well known. Yeah. He was good when he came to WWE, like when he really started, he came in hot as a bad guy. He, oh, he did come in he hot as a bad guy, escalated okay. more and more, right? And better than the you know, Superman himself, Hulk Hogan coming Hulk Hogan. in. Uh, yeah, maybe we need to start working that dynamic on the show there, Dennis. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I just get yeah. back to it. Like, I know I, we, we can't spend too much time because I, I know we have to wrap up shortly, but just. It was, I don't know about you or but like the WWF, it was just such a big part of the, uh, my, it was a big part of our childhood. Yeah. And it was on and you just watched wrestling. Like we, Saturday that's what we did. Event. How yeah. awesome is that? Yeah. You know, like, yeah, it was great. Oh no, like, it was a were, lot of fun. And as yeah. you're sharing that story, I, I have to share this one story and then I want to do one last thing here with the wrestling. It was about 25 years ago because Ellie and I were just married and I was watching television one day. It was a, 
TVO documentary. And it was about wrestling within a Christian church. And I think it was called like SmackDown for Jesus or something like that. Uh-huh. And I'm watching this and they were showing how in, and it was a, a evangelical Pentecostal church, but for the youth night, they actually had wrestlers come in to do this. Wow. And I'm watching this going like, where is this from? Like, you know, the, immediately I'm thinking Southern U S right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oshawa just around the corner. Just inside it's, Oshawa. And it's actually the right church. Right down where, your backyard. It's the church where uh, Dennis and I, our high school has our graduation ceremony. Oh, right there. Okay. Yeah. yeah so, wow. Uh, I, just, I, just, I, I, I had to throw that out there because I just I, yeah. it, it makes me laugh every time. Yeah, totally. But when you're talking about it and how it actually is biblical with the, the story of, of Jacob, right? Wrestling well, in, in the war, the, the struggle imagery is all through scripture, right? Mm-hmm. That, just that whole that whole metaphor, that whole allegory is, is there. So just as we wrap up the wrestling segment here, yeah. John, a, a couple of quick questions and you can just kind of do a one or the other. You don't have to go into too much detail. Now okay. we always talk about WWJD. What would Jesus do? But I wanted to throw an extra W in there. What would wrestling Jesus do? Would wrestling Jesus go Hulk Hogan or Rowdy Roddy Piper? Oh, I think he would. I think Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Oh, Hey, next one. Dennis, did you want to do the next one? Yeah, but I, you know what, we're going to, Feign ignorance here. Top rope or cage match? I remember the cage matches fondly. I'm I'm not getting the top. Well, is, is he top. is is he climb? Is he going off the top turnbuckle? Is he climbing up on the top rope to to get the bad guy, or or is he climbing right to the top of the cage? Oh, okay, so yeah, so top rope would just be in a normal wrestling match on the, on the top rope, and then the cage match is when they lock them in. I love it when they lock them in. Which did you prefer, the top rope or the cage match? Uh, if uh. it. <laughs> As in general, or the specific of the wrestling Jesus, the uh, wrestling no, Jesus, oh, okay. both, both. I feel like uh, I, I feel like Jesus wouldn't be climbing out of a cage. I think he'd be pretty. Uh, he'd be pretty okay with 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 sticking there until he did his job and just walk out of there when it was done. I think he would. He could go off the top rope and land a Macho Man style elbow, and uh, you know, he, I, I think he'd be a very versatile in ring performer, as we say. Yeah, I don't know. That's okay. tough. And then one last one, which actually wasn't in the show notes. So I'm going to put you on the spot here, John. All right. Yeah. Okay. Tag team or battle royale? For Jesus? Yeah. Um, wow, those are tough questions. Yeah, that's it. Okay, so <laughs> he, he would be... I, I feel like he would want to be if if there was a tag team he would be he you would be his tag team partner and uh, and you guys would be champs we'd all be champs, um, the battle royal thing, yeah he he takes on you know at, at all comers he could he be the one standing toss them all out get thirty get thirty guys in there, I think he could do it you know I, 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 again, I feel like he could handle both no problem yeah what do you, what would you prefer. That's a good question. I think I think you know Temple overturning money changers. Jesus would love a battle royal. I think there's times <laughs> where you know <laughs> there's right. of Jesus that might fit better in a tag team. <laughs> you know, moves uh, had. Yeah, this uh, has been a huge amount of fun, John. Yeah, likewise, I really enjoyed yeah, it. This is this has been great. So just before we finish up here, yeah, uh, where can people find out more about John Dawson? Where can they get a hold of your music where can they 
tune into the wrestling podcast? Um, Where would you like to point people? And I'll yeah, get that well, into the at show John notes. Dawson as well. Music, uh, at John Dawson Music on Twitter. <clears throat> I do have on uh, YouTube, there's at John Dawson Music channel. Um, where I have some recent compositions that are, you know, a little more, they're set to videos, nice little reflective pieces. Uh, Ringside Heat, where you just search up at Ringside Heat on Twitter. We're there. We're on Spotify. We're wherever you get your podcasts. We're on them all. Um, uh, and uh, those are those are the main ones. Yeah. Cool. Ringside underscore Heat, I think. Ringside underscore Heat. We'll we'll have to get that figured out. We'll make sure that we get the right one into the show. Yeah, I'll, get, for I'll make sure. Yeah. What a busy man, John. But thank you so much for coming on the uh, show today. Oh, I had a great time, guys. It was it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that. And then one last thing before we sign off here too, uh, we like to get to our guests here a, a nice little pints and pews ball cap, which uh, you know comes courtesy of Dennis and Dennis's brother who puts these things together. But when you're wrestling, you got to take it off because you don't <laughs> yeah. want to ruin it. <laughs> no, we're not going to ruin it. Yeah. Thank you guys. That's awesome. Thank no, you. No, but that's great. Thank you so much for uh, coming on for accepting uh, Robert's invitation. My pleasure. I learned yeah. a lot about music, and you know what? I can do it, Robert. I can sing. I, I too can that. sing. That makes one of us at least. I just go for my diaphragm. I do try. I find I'm going from the diaphragm, and I'm I'm trying to sing better at mass. Nobody's looking around at me, saying, "Where's that noise coming from?" There. So it's... nobody's looking at me either, wondering where that noise is coming from, because there's no noise, right? <laughs> there's no noise. I don't know. So again, thank you very much, John, and uh, yeah, thank have a blessed you. evening. You as well. Thank you very much, guys. Another good guest, Robert. I was a little bit, like I said, I wasn't so sure. If music, not my wheelhouse, but uh, what an I wasn't so story. sure just because of my childhood buddy who suggested him. You know, yes. anything that comes from him sometimes <laughs> you know, could be a little bit off. Yeah, no, no. We we say that always about our childhood friends. You know, kind of because we know what we were like as, as children. Right. But it was fantastic to get to it, know John. It was great. And I don't think you really have to have an interest in music just to enjoy what he's talking about and, and the journey he had to go through and, and what he had to do to get these mass settings in and how he was chosen. And I mean, and, and I think every time I, I'm going to sing at mass now, I'm going to think of him, especially the glory, glory to God. No, maybe I better stop there. Right? Don't, just stop. Just stop. <laughs> but no, I found it really fascinating. Like the whole process that the process that's they it went okay. through. Uh, we were talking there just for a moment before I hit the record button. Uh, again, just you know, having it to go to committee and being a part of a, a mm -hmm. particular council. The council, yep. And the different people and that were involved. The different, yep. Yeah, and so then he's it's got just the not normal recording. Like it's not right. normal composing. No, and he and he still does composing on the side, and he has the three mass settings. Right? Is that correct? He's one of three. So there were three that were right. commissioned by the Canadian Catholic of Conf Canadian Conference of Catholic, Catholic Bishops. Catholic Bishops, yes. The beer was good, so we're starting to stumble no. over and, and over we the would words notice here. In the Gloria and the Gloria, the the Sanctus, the Holy Holy, Sanctus, and yep. the Lamb of God would be the three main parts that right. people would recognize and people recognize, would know. Yeah. Yeah. And just yeah, again, the process and composing and how he was talking about that. The mass words or the the words for those parts of the mass don't necessarily lend themselves to music. 
Yeah. And the, and the, the old ones, challenge. you can't just flip the old one, the music from the old ones to the new ones they had to be completely rewritten to totally. I mean, totally composed differently. Yeah. Yeah. So Very I cool. really think our, our listeners had a treat tonight and that they would have learned Certainly quite a bit did. about the, the process yeah. that goes into the music that we take for granted when mm-hmm. we go to mass on Sunday. Maybe we should start writing music. We'll do that in our retirement. Can you read music? No. Is that a prerequisite? I, one would think so, but yeah. You know. <laughs> Maybe we'll learn to read music and then we can write some music. Hey, I, won, I, won, I won the grade nine music award, believe it or not. Oh, are you now? You've been keeping this from our listeners for two, over two years? Wow. Yeah. So you'll do the composing and I'll do the singing. Yeah. It, it was that. a one man band, but that's a whole other <laughs> that's a whole other thing. Robert went to a one room schoolhouse and he was the. No, I'm not as old as you are, buddy, but that's <laughs> it. A fellow new market. We've had a few people from up your ways on this show. Another great guest. The the, the bastion of Catholicism in the greater Toronto area, <laughs> New Market. <laughs> All from Main Street and New Market. Stop, stop. Oh. But Dennis, the, as always, the time seems to have flown by. And we're getting to the point. I think you can tell that uh, my hourglass is empty. I think that's the first time I've seen it completely. It's always a drop, but that's completely empty. As always, Robert, though, the, both the pint and the conversation. Yeah. How was your Erdinger Dunkel there, my friend? It was really good. And it wasn't a Dunkel kind of day, but it was excellent. I would get that again for sure. I liked it. I like those dark beers. Very good, very good. Uh, my Collingwood Happy Tales Session IPA was also fantastic. Nice and crisp, but because it's a Session IPA, it's actually uh, not as heavy. It only comes in at 4.5%. So okay. it's one of those IPAs that you can uh, enjoy without a guilty conscience. Not too citrusy? Not too citrusy. Okay. It was just the right balance, nice okay. and crisp, and went down really well. So the, the pint tonight was amazing. Yes, but always it's always a pleasure to talk about the Catholic faith as well. Very true and very true. And just before we wrap up here, Dennis, perhaps there's just one small favor we could ask of our listeners. If you could take a quick moment and a couple of clicks to follow the Pints and Pews podcast on your favorite platform and give us a review. And while you're at it, give us a like on Facebook, drop us a line there or at pintsandpews at gmail.com. We always enjoy hearing from our listeners. Chat again soon, my friend. God willing. And until then, why don't you remind our listeners of the wise words of G.K. Chesterton. In Catholicism, the pint, the pipe, and the cross can all fit together. God bless. Take care, Robert.